I just naturally observe like way too much. <laughs> My personality type is an ENFJ. I don't know if you know what that means. Uh, I don't know the numbers. No, I know what that means. I, I don't know the numbers, but I know the thing. I'm a campaigner. That's all I know. Okay. I don't know what the num okay. the numbers. Oh my god, I'm so dumb. Yikes. Um, the letters. The letters. <laughs> Yo, I we can edit that me. out. <laughs> Starby Studios podcast. As always, it is your host Ben here today. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Tegan. Oh, I for already forgot how to say your last name. Can you just say it for me? Like I'm so <laughs> my, name, my name is my name is Tehan. Tehan. Ooh, ooh. No. If we're gonna get get uh, pr the pronunciation right here, it is Tegan. Tegan. Favorite. Thank you. AKA Tegan. little poet. AKA Ice T. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yo, this dude is hella dope, and I'll let him explain why. Because honestly, like, I go to your Instagram, and I feel like you're always doing something different. Like, I know you do graphic design, and you also own a clothing company, which we'll get into. Shout out to so uh, Snob Mob. Uh, you do a lot of business <laughs> stuff, bro. Yeah. Let, let me know. Okay. Let me know what do you do. What are you rocking? Where are you from? And tell me just your story. Okay. Well, we can go back to when I was in the womb. I was in the <laughs> womb in uh, New Jersey. And I was, you know, uh, I grew up in watching Jersey Shore. So this is why I have this hair. Holly D is my boy. He's <laughs> trying it. to be like the white Holly D. <laughs> the white Polly D, he says. The oh, white Polly D. You know, I was like super hyped when he came to San Diego with his DJ set, like, two months ago or a month ago, I totally didn't go. But anyways, from Newton, New Jersey, people in New Jersey don't even know where that is. So it's probably in the middle of nowhere. I was, I, I, I moved there, I moved from there when I was three months old. So I primarily grew up in greater Houston and Texas. Um, I moved seven times before first grade. Wait, seven? Seven times, Damn. all within the same area, but it was more like moving school district or moving homes. Um, so I moved a lot. And even from uh, like grade school, I went to first grade in a city. I went to second to fourth grade in a different city, and then fifth through eighth grade in a different city, and then ninth through twelfth grade in a different city. So I was constantly always moving around and having to adjust to a lot of different social sort of yeah. friend groups. And uh, it became very normal to just shift. I have to shift life. Um, were you good at it? Like out of curiosity, like, did you make a lot? Cause I know some people who do that, like they can't make friends. It's just very hard for them. Like, you know, was that a problem for you or were you just like, you walked in there and you're like, yo, what's up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was a really nerdy kid Oh, really? Uh, for okay. a while, for a while. Yeah. Like I would say, now. uh, I mean, people made fun of me. I was like, I was kind of like chunky. I had some nice big old buck teeth. I, I I got that fixed. I did, braces. I did too. I did too, Don't even worry about it. Um, I had coconut head, like a mullet. Really? Like, I'm a I'm a quarter Asian, so luckily I I decided to actually like make the hair go up instead of like straight down, like bowl cut style. Um, I'm I'm half Japanese. Yeah. I feel that. Really? <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. You get like compliments like, man, your hair is so straight, Bro. but it also doesn't do anything else. <laughs> Bro, you know what I call it? I call it barcoding. When it just goes straight down on your forehead and looks yes. like someone could scan it like a barcode. Like, Bro, I, yeah, I can't even I can't even do it anymore, but I used to do it really well. No, I feel um, 
So you yeah, so yeah, hopped around. Was it easy for me? It became normal, and I would say my friends at one point in my life, or even now, I consider. I don't necessarily think family is the strongest bond. I think it's who you decide is going to be your family. You know, I kind of see the whole world as like brothers and sisters, and I want to make. It's like there, there, there were times when friend, either I really good friends, and they were there for me when my family couldn't be there, and so that was a really big moment in my life when I realized communication was super important with people, mm-hmm. even if they weren't your family. So something that my parents have always said was, "You've always had a really, really solid friend group," and. Even moving to San Diego about a year and a half ago, we have created this community here of just people who are moving across the country from all over the place, and we're all like best friends, all like a really positive, happy family. There's started to be little inklings of drama when you know things get involved, but like otherwise, right? It starts to become like you know high school drama or whatever. But um, we love hosting events and bring people together and i think i learned a lot of that from growing up and having to switch school districts and cities all the time sure. just, just like adapting to like your environment there's a positive to every negative yeah yeah just it, you just have to it, it's all about your perspective for sure and so from from the time you were in school what what got you to this point Cause you were telling me a little bit about it when we were on the phone that first time talking a little bit about snob mob. Tell me about uh-huh. kind of everything you've been through. Like I said, this podcast is <laughs> way too much. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe like this short it's a I'm an old man now. I'm an old man now. <laughs> How uh, old are you by, by, uh, if you don't mind me asking. How old do you think I am? Mm, dude, honestly, you look really young. I would say like 24, 25. Okay. I'm 27. 27. Okay. Hey, you know, I'm 27, gotcha. 27. But I honestly feel like I didn't start becoming who I really was until about 22. Really? Why is that? So a little, a little later start. Um, you know, when you go to school, you go to college, you kind of have your, your life like planned out for you. For sure. And then once you get into the adulthood, that's when no one's really telling you what to do anymore. And for me, I was good at school, but I didn't like school. I don't like rules. Me I don't either. like structure. A professor, because my my college um, was an architecture school, and they often it was it was very project based. We didn't take a lot of tests, so it was like producing projects. And a lot of times, a professor may want a certain type of project, certain requirements, but then I would do something that, in my opinion, was way more difficult. But it would, and it would teach me a lot more, and I get a lower grade just because I was doing what I wanted to do instead of what they wanted to do. Yeah, so they're um, keeping you in a box and you wanted to play outside of the box, even though yeah. outside of the box is way harder than inside. <laughs> yeah, okay. It was, yeah, and it was frustrating because, I mean, I would get lower grades and all that jazz and I would get pit. I mean, I would, I would be low-key salty. Yeah. I would okay. just, like, maybe critiquing me and I'd just, like, walk out. I would just kind of a kind of a, a little bit of a hothead when, when it came to some of that stuff, but okay. I was very, very passionate, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of so, hopped over around a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, ha, so how did I get to what I'm doing now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. want me to explain what I'm doing now? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, or tell the audience, uh, uh, how do you speak? Uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you were talking to me on the phone about, like kind of what led you to San Diego. Okay. Um, 
So I started my career at an advertising agency in Dallas, Texas. I took an internship that was only $10 an hour over a full-time job in downtown Austin, Texas, which looking back was like, that was pretty cool. But at the time I didn't like making commitments. I kind of struggled with making commitments younger because, um, Mine's kind of broken, and so I struggled with making a lot of commitments. Now I love commitment. That's why I get ta- that's why I got a tattoo. I love like being strong and like making those commitments. But I got a, a job, ten dollars an hour for three months at an advertising agency, whose primary primary clients were Walmart, uh, like big grocery stores. So I was working with very big corporate brands, and even as an intern, they noticed that I was outgrowing that like instantaneously. They're like, you you. You don't belong here as like an intern. So within three months, I switched from that to working at an animation studio. An animation studio, I was doing primarily 2D graphics. I did commercials for like Chevy, um, other bigger brands, like big football stadiums. I even made graphics. You know, if you go to a football game and you they have the ring around the whole stadium. Yeah. And they, it like place them. I would do graphics like that, and just whoever the client was, and I was immediately jumping ship, and it was so stressful. I remember sitting in my chair, sweating my butt off. Just like I was so nervous because they wanted so much out of me, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I constantly was throwing myself in situations where it's like I didn't know what the heck to do, and I had to learn like really, really fast. So I'd be up to like two in the morning for a job that was paying me like eighteen grand a year. Damn, really? Yeah. Yo, but did you did you love that job, or was it? Um, I liked the pressure, but and I liked the people a lot. I love growing, but hey, when student debt rolls around, you can't make the payments. You gotta go, man. True, go. I feel yeah. that. I feel that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was there for five months, and amazing opportunity. I learned a lot from a mentor there who was a head on show at a really big animation studio in Dallas, Texas. I'm gonna keep names out of this just because. No, for sure. I don't know. That's okay. Um. So then. From there, I jumped into a digital marketing agency where I was making three times the amount of money. Dope. So from there, I went to that, and I was like, okay, I definitely got to take this. And from there, that was where I got a really big jump. And typically in marketing agencies, there is a creative director. And for those that don't know, a creative director works with marketing directors and the presidents and the client, and they are the ones in control of the creative campaigns for most bigger brands. So let's just say... Uh, all of the clients I worked with there were Samsung, AT&T, T-Mobile, Cellular One. So bigger brands, and I got to work on websites that their that their employees would use. So it was um, B2B, business to business. Okay. So it, it wasn't business to consumer, it was business to business. So I was creating digital platforms for T-Mobile employees, like in a T-Mobile store, and oh. how they could like log in, track their sales, do all that type of stuff. It was a very, uh, um, what do you say, employee-facing interface. So that was when I got into more of the right-hand side of a creative director agency. And I got to see like how these creative directors were handling really big wig companies. And I saw how they were dialoguing with them. And I would say that was sort of when I noticed um, in this world of influencers, I don't get any of my jobs from like social media or anything. It's like, I get so much work now from word of mouth. It's absolutely insane. It's like, yeah. I almost get a call every day 
from other clients from just random people be like, Hey, so-and-so really liked your work. Can I like, what would you charge for, for this app or for this website or for this product? Um, and I'm super humbled by that because it's almost like I'm getting so much work. I can't even, I, I personally cannot handle it myself. Yeah. I now have to source it out to other people and I'm able to bless them with jobs that they can't find, but for I have sure. to trust them and teach them. So, and this is for graphic um, design or like, does, does um, this is for everything, man. I mean, I have like three tiers of work. Um, and I would say the lower tier is going to be branding, logo development, branding guidelines, making sure that brands know their identity and know who their audience is and being able to make sure that all of their creative assets, marketing collateral is actually hitting those primary emotions that their target audience needs to see. Yeah. Um, because I, I have to study like color theory, color psychology, um, copy, yep. messaging, primary yep. messaging, like targeting their fear, targeting joy. Um, and you can do that all with very kind of rinse and repeat strategies, but a lot of oh, designers don't know that. No, a lot of designers don't know that. It, yeah. It's like in the same niche too. And you just named things. I'm so glad you said that. Like most people I talk to, even in the marketing space, don't know what copywriting is. Um, a lot of people don't know there's color psychology. Like if you use a red, it's going to do completely different things and communicate very different yes. things than if you put a purple. And it's like mm. people don't understand that like something so subtle actually does have a huge impact, especially business owners. Business owners are like yeah. usually the one thing um, – uh, it might've been rich dad, poor dad, but someone quoted something. It was like, uh, like I read that book. <laughs> oh, you have? Yeah. I've read that book. It's, it's very good. Have you read it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the part where he's talking about like dentists are one skill away from becoming millionaires and it's literally the skill is like sales and marketing. Mm, yeah. Copywriting things. I mean, like that. I don't, I don't remember that, but I mean, I know, I mean, I understand the concept. Yeah. It. It's insane. No, I, that's great that you brought that up. That's great that you brought that up. So what are your other two uh, tiers then? Um, I can finish the story or I can go into that. So I just, I'll just finish the story real quick. Yeah, for okay. sure. So I went from there and I was there for about nine months. And then I got the opportunity to work at my dream company, dude. Okay. So here's when you realize these dreams that you have are not actually what you want. So my dream coming out of school. So coming out of school, everyone in my degree, my degree was called visual architecture at Texas A&M University. Can you, hey, can you repeat that? You're, you like lagged right there. Okay. Um, I studied the, a bachelor of science visualization mm -hmm. in the college of architecture at Texas A&M University in college station, Texas. Um, yeah, that's a good college. And, uh, so they, Everyone that goes to that school, you know, your freshman year and they say, who wants to work at Pixar? Everyone raises their hand. Who wants to work at DreamWorks? Who raises their hand? And so that's sort of like what they train you to, to work at like the top tier animations industry or companies in the world, mm -hmm. right? So I mentioned that animation studio I worked for, right? The head of that animation studio was actually the head of Animate. So he branched off. And he made this company, but prior to that, he was the head of animation at a company called Real Effects. And Real Effects is in Dallas, Texas, and they actually had a blockbuster movie a couple of years ago called Book of Life. And so um, I'd say they're not quite as big as Remarks and Pixar or Blue Sky, but they're definitely up there. And so I was able to work at an animation studio, and I, and I talked to people who had been working in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years, and I, under, I was understanding their, their work-life balance, 
and all that stuff. And I quickly realized that's not what I want. Gotcha. So then I realized, okay, working at an animation studio is actually not my dream. Okay. So then I moved on. Okay. Let's, let's learn some more skills. Let's, let's, let's learn web design because every business needs this. Yeah. So then, so then I went from that company and I worked at a company called Funimation. You know what that is? I do not know that. No. Okay. You know what Dragon Ball Z is? Yes. Okay, so Funimation is the company that actually does the voiceover and marketing for Dragon Ball Z. Really? Yes. Okay. So that's dope. I was working at, at this company. People were super amazing. I loved it. Um, it was my dream come true. When I, when I was five years old, my mom asked me, "What do you want to do for a job?" And I said, "I want to. I want to draw Dragon Ball Z." Well, I'm not good enough to actually draw it, but I got to actually create assets for their marketing. So it's like I would yeah. create emails i would create the thumbnails for like netflix and hulu and youtube for like dragon ball z and i was just like taking the original art assets and like getting a play with them and so that was like super amazing but then again i realized this is not pushing me and so i was only there i was only there for three months yo so you literally were like this is my dream job but it's not pushing me to be a better person it's not pushing it's it's not it's not it's too easy I'm not growing. I'm not challenged. And like, I love being under pressure and stress. I love that. I love that. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, so I was there for three months. This is in Dallas, Texas. And then we're going to get to what I talked to you on the phone about. I got a call from someone who I'd interned for free, uh, three years ago at this point, this was 2015. I'd interned in 2012, 2013. And like, Hey, we are building this product and this product is going to be a pay-to-play gaming platform for esports, and we are partnering with League of Legends. League of Legends being the biggest esports game yep. in the whole world at this point is, you know, there's some more competition now, but they're still like king. Um, and they're like, this company has nine-figure possibilities based on the amount of people that play this and all the like the um, I'm going to call it the the projections, like I I suppose. And they're like, we want to bring you on and we want to give you stock. So, and we'll pay you this much, but you have to move cities. Um, I kind of wrote like a big pro con list. I had a relationship in Dallas. I had to move to Houston, which is like three hours away. I didn't ever want to move back to Houston because that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I think going back to where you grew up is actually kind of like regressing. I've never liked it. I didn't ever want to be there. I felt it was kind of a, a stifling place for a creative. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I did that. And I moved there for two years and I built literally the entire platform and like all the websites and Damn. the entire web app of this thing where people could go in, create teams, create custom matchmaking, create their profiles, bet money, gamble, essentially gambling. And so that was a huge hurdle to kind of get across because gambling is not legal in Texas. Yeah. So we had to sort of go through the hoops and get on get PayPal on board. And just all these things that you don't think about in the beginning actually have a huge roadblock when you're building a product. For because sure. it, it takes months and months and months to get the approval and you may not even get the approval. Um, and then your whole business model is... Yeah, so, exactly. No, I remember so, I was super into CSGO for a while and they had a bunch of those gambling sites and there was just so much, uh, not necessarily controversy, but it was it was definitely difficult. Yeah. Face it. Oh, I don't even remember, it? man. It was such a okay. long time ago. <laughs> okay. Face it was the main one that had CSGO. 
oh, really? and we often look at them as a competitor or someone who is doing it that in the industry. Gotcha. Um, so the biggest thing I learned about that was, you know, yes, my stock was valued, going to be valued at seven figures if this thing sold. I'm like, as a 24 year old, I'm like, dude, that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I love this. Um, it's, it's like, it's like I'm getting paid. I can still do all my freelance stuff and I'm working work on this. And then one day it's just going to make this check of like $30 million. And I'm like, that sounds pretty nice. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. short story that never happened. <laughs> so, you know, um, we, there was tons of funding issues and it's super stressful because when your product is reliant on a different company. So mm. if riot, I should say that riot, the company who owns league of legends, if they change something in the game and then we're launching tournaments, it just breaks it. And yeah, so that's what okay. that's what sucks about being dependent on other companies and creating these platforms that bring in other platforms. Dang. Um, I didn't even think about so, that. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, if you're putting in Facebook, if you're putting in endpoints from Google and all these other places, if they're changing their endpoints, your product has to go back and fix it. So the more that you're bringing in, it sounds nice, like, oh, I don't have to do the work because they already have all this information, but there's there are limitations to what they even allow you to support on your platform. Oh, people don't, that's true. People don't realize that. Just because Google has all this information doesn't mean that they're going to give that to you. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that their endpoint supports that. Um, so you have to sort of you can go and find documentation on that if you really want to. Um, you just had to look for it. Yeah. And so, so what was the conclusion kind of that? So the conclusion was there was several times where we were working without any money. There was no paychecks. Dang. And it was like, okay, hey, we're waiting on these investors. And the major takeaway from that was they had spent millions of dollars on some marketing and websites that they ended up not using. And so that bad business decisions pretty much tanked the company. Dang. So, and who was making those decisions? Or you don't have to um, name anybody, but just be like, was it a team so, of you guys? Was it one person? It was the people controlling the money, the investors. Gotcha, okay. Okay, because, and here's the issue with investors that don't understand the industry that you're working in. So for those of you who are getting investors who are like, yeah, like you have a great salesperson and great pitch deck, great projections, all sounds amazing. If they don't understand the industry and they're not relenting their power over what needs to be done, they would want to see a certain feature released, but they didn't understand that that feature did not bring value, but it didn't matter because they would hold the money. So what they said it. goes even oh. if you so that is something that you have to deal with when you're dealing with investors that possibly don't understand the industry that you're working in That's they were oil and gas like maybe drilling or tech but they didn't understand esports so be very aware that you want investors that kind of understand the space if it, if if possible or investors that are actually going to give you the power to make the decisions and trust you. Damn, that's um, so, insane insight there. Yeah, so long story short, around October 26, 17. I worked there from 2015 to 2017. October 2017, they were like, hey, we're done. Just one day we walked in and like, yep, it's dead. We have no money. 
Damn. And we're like, okay. Uh, we worked for a week without any pay at that point, and they had promised money, and it was done. And at that point, I was like, okay, I moved here for this job. I didn't want to be here in Houston, Texas. Um, at this point, I was also in a relationship that the other person also didn't want to be in Houston, and they were depressed. And so I was in a place where I didn't want to be. I still had a lease to finish. And I had a girlfriend who wanted to live in LA because of other reasons, which is a whole other story. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So getting to San Diego, this is, I'm going to take a real quick turn. And that is about two weeks before the company ended. I went on in my first mission trip to the Philippines and I met my cousin there. And I didn't really know my cousin that well but he was a professor in Florida. We connected really well there. And coming back to the States, um, he called me and he goes, hey, do you wanna move? And I said, honestly, I think I'm really ready to move. And at this point, it was still like a week before the company failed. Mm-hmm. So then the company failed, I called him like, yo, I'm ready. <laughs> yo, <laughs> I'm ready. Let's, let's, go. let's do this. I'm, I'm like, let's go. I don't care. Like, it's time to make a move in my life that wasn't for a job. And it was time to make a move where I wanted to be you, you for a lifestyle like, that I wanted. You just need like a reset button, essentially. A reset button. And I realized that if you move somewhere and you take the risk and you keep challenging yourself, it's going to fuel you. Even if it's a, even if it's not easy, it's going to really pump up the adrenaline. It's going to pump up, yeah. you know, it's going to be kind of fight or flight. Because you got it, you have no friends, you have no job, you're in a foreign place, and you don't even know like what this food is. I'm like, do I like Cali burritos, or is this gonna give me diarrhea? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So essentially, we we prayed about it for about a week. We were both pretty spiritual, and we came back and we're like, yeah, let's let's make a move. He found a place. I never saw it, and about two. About a month later, I sold everything in my apartment. I actually helped my ex at this point move to LA. I told her I would finish paying the rent so she can be happy and just go live her life out in LA. So I would finish the lease. And then we got the lease in California. So I was paying for both leases. I had no job. I had no job. I sold everything. I packed up my two-door car and drove to the across the country to an apartment I've never even seen. <laughs> Yo, and, wow. Uh, and, and, um, and best decision ever. Best decision ever. I love that. Wait, best okay, so ever. I have to ask cuz this po- I really want this podcast to be like in the mind. Like what what was going through your head at that point? Like were you like fuck yeah, like whatever, let's do it or were you like damn, I don't know, like am I making the right decision? Like were you like staying up late, just anxious, thinking about it? Where like you know, you you mentioned that now she's your ex. Like kind of what like what was happening? Was everything falling apart? Were you just kind of like in a fuck it mood? Like I just want to know what you were doing <laughs> up until you uh, got to San Diego. Um, so there was about a month where I was in Houston, just kind of getting ready to move, meaning like getting, like getting rid of my stuff, not really working so much. And I honestly had a lot of peace in my heart about it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I had a lot of peace in my heart. There was not really a lot of 
anxiety about it because the way that I look at it is I like to re- like reverse engineer a lot of social situations Me and too. it's like, okay, what's the, what's the worst that can happen in life? You die, right? <laughs> you die. And then think, what would it take to die? Um, it's like, okay, say I move across the country. There's plenty of jobs there. There's tons of people living there. If it was not sustainable to live there, no one would live there. Um, you're by the beach. Like, I'm going to die by the beach. That sounds pretty nice. So, like, there just wasn't, really, like, a lot of downside. But, like, <laughs> like, like, when you really, like, boil it down, it actually takes quite a bit to die. I mean, unless you're just, like, jumping in front of a car or something, right? Yeah. But it's, like, there's – it's, like, okay, I can go work at Chipotle. Like, you're not going to die. You know, it's, like, why be scared of that? The only reason that you would be scared is that you're upholding yourself to a standard or, like, an image that – you're trying to impress people and you can let go of that and have not a lot of just like let go of expectations or control. I think control of a situation really stops a lot of people from making many decisions because they want to control the outcome instead of just going, they want to just go and experience. And if you can embrace just being humble and saying, I'm just here for the ride. I'm here for the journey. I'm going to make the best of it, put my best foot forward and don't have a lot of expectations. Not a whole lot can go wrong. I mean, yeah, there may be some bumps, but it's only about how you react to the situation versus it's like if you get knocked down, are you going to get back up again? I, or are you just going to sit and complain about it? Are you going to be a victim? I love that. I love that so much. That is that's an incredible mindset because I feel like not a lot of people nowadays have that mindset. A lot of people are like, oh, no, like the sky is falling after like two minor things happen to them. Like, yeah. you know, and I mean, what? Is it your faith that's kind of got, like has you in that mindset? Is it, um, I don't know, like did you read a book? Do you read, listen to motivational speeches, or is this just how you've been raised? Mm, like, because I also um, want to help other. No, no, none of it's not how I was raised. It's my, not how you raised. Okay. My 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 parents are a lot. They're very safe people. So are mine. Very 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 safe. Um, they don't want to take risks financially. They just did the things that would, you know, seem to make sense. Um, I think um, what really, in a way, helps people is experiencing hardship. And I, I know that's not something people really want to go through, yeah. but there's different levels of hardship. And it's like once you go through something really hard, like say a divorce or being $100,000 in debt, anything above that you're fine because you know how to live in that level yeah right okay and so it's like people in my opinion are just too soft (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) i would agree with that 100 percent. so i think honestly just if you can put yourself through stress that's the best way to learn i I mean i i I know it's really hard to get through that but it's like why not try to just like stay up for 48 hours straight you just try it or why not like, I think one of the mentalities that I've adopted that's really fun, it's really fun. I, it's, it kind of like raises your emotions and it pushes you through stress, but it's like the moment you start to feel resistance towards something, you just go into it. You just dive into it. No. Like, no, not today. It's like, I, okay. I, don't... I love it. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, no, literally. Okay, so uh, in two two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago for the time that they'll be listening to this, um, Vova Tess, who I interviewed, recommended Can't Hurt Me, and I immediately bought it on Audible, like, started listening to it, and he talks about, like, doing it's kind of what you're talking about, like, do something uncomfortable, 
Like, do something that you're like, like in your mind, you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. That means you got to do it. And so like today, I listened to him say that like while I was going to the gym and I was like, bet, like, let's just do this right now. It's super late at night. And I was like, what do I hate doing? And I was like, running. I was like, bet, I'm going to run for 30 minutes straight. (laughs) I remember, dude, like first 10 minutes in, I got shin splints. Like that shit sucked. But I was like, nah, bro, like I I have to do this. Like I said, I was going to do it. So I'm going to fucking do it. And like that there, once I finished, I was so pumped. Like I was so ready. Honestly, if we didn't have this set up, I would have just kept working out all night until the gym closed. Like I was so ready to go. I was just like, let's go, dude. I was like, most hype I've ever been. And you know what? Like, Uh, I think people don't, so many people get so caught up in the fear of like, before they do something they're like, you know, um, you know, I want to, I want to draw something and then post it on Instagram. Like, what are people going to think of it? Or like, is it going to be good? Is it going to turn out in my head how I want it to? And at that point, it's just like, fuck it. Like, just do it. You know, like the more you're thinking about it, the more you're going to talk yourself out of it. And honestly, if you're trying to talk yourself out of it, that probably means you got to do it. Yeah. Um, I think something that people can take away from this is if you can self amuse yourself and that's all that you really like not seeking validation, but if you can self amuse, like I'm posting this drawing to Instagram and I, this makes me happy. And it, it, who cares what anyone else thinks? If you say, say, I mean, I'm like super interested in social dynamics. I study people like, uh, it's like an addiction I have. I I'm like upset. Yo, do you people watch? Do you people watch? I don't even have to try. You don't even have to try. You just naturally do it. I just naturally observe like way too much. <laughs> My I personality think... type is an ENFJ. I don't know if you know what that means. Uh, I don't know the numbers. No, I know what that means. I, I don't know the numbers, but I know the thing. I'm a campaigner. That's all I know. Okay. I don't know what the num- okay. the numbers. Oh my god, I'm so dumb. Yikes. Um, the letters. The letters. <laughs> Yo, I we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> I know the I know the letters. I know I don't know the letters, but I know what I am. I'm I'm a campaigner. Um, so you just observe things like you you you're just like you you're very aware of what's going on around you. I easily understand people's motivations behind their actions. So it's it's not about what they're doing; it's about why they're doing it. Oh, okay. And can you sense this over the phone? Cause like when I, like when you, when I was talking to you about like working with snob mob, I was like, mm-hmm. yo, this guy's going to think I'm super shady, but like, no, I've already tried to like plan like four or five different photo shoots with people. Like just uh-huh. to, cause I'm like, yo, this company's dope. But like, was that mm-hmm. out of curiosity? This is more for me than my audience. What was your impression from me? Also, I think we can transition this a little bit. We only have we have about ten minutes left of this podcast. And okay. I want to talk about the R R the oral. You know what I mean. <laughs> Synesthesia. Yes, that thing. I can't. Okay, the aura reading. Yes, the aura reading. I'm so bad with words, and it's late at night. But um, okay. first off, what was your first impression of me? Just really quickly go on that, but then also talk about this because um, explain synesthesia. Oh my God. I'm just gonna uh-huh. let you talk. I can't do this right now. We're just, we're just, it's I'm not very good at talking. I used to have a stuttering problem actually. Oh really? I'm just, yeah. sometimes my tongue feels too big in my mouth and this is one of those moments. So, uh... Uh, continue, continue. <laughs> um, okay. So synesthesia is essentially the combination of all five senses and people can give up auras. It's not always super clear to me, but, um, I sort of subdued that thought. I thought it was just something really idiotic because, in high school, I remember sitting down at the lunch table 
and I asked my friends, I was like, hey guys, just really innocently, I never even looked up this stuff. Google wasn't even really a thing. This was like 2008. Like, do we, do I even have a smartphone at that point? I don't think so. But um, <laughs> I, don't I was like, I was like, do you guys see auras around people? And they're like, what? what are we talking about, dude? I was like, yeah, like, like Jeff is blue. He has a blue aura, and Kenny. Sorry, and this is their actual name. <laughs> no, you're. <laughs> it's Army Green. Why is he Army Green? He kind of, uh, you know, he feels a little murky. He feels a little shady. He feels like maybe not so confident in himself. Whereas Jeff is blue, and it's like he is solid. He has a foundation. He knows who he is. Mm. Um, typically, people that are in turbulence say they're going through stress or they're in their head too much. They're always thinking about things. They tend to be more red yellow. Interesting. And they're okay. just kind of like um, a turbulent feeling, right? You can kind of see when people are shifty eyed or they can't look you straight in the face and um, kind of get that feeling or that, that sense from them. Um, about you, over the phone, I really got more of a blue. And I think that has to do with your personality being very charismatic. Sure. So when you, when you, Honestly, felt oh, like yo, you had the best intentions. Hey, can you can you repeat that one more time, just because you froze for a second? Yes. Okay, sorry. No, uh, when no, you no. message me, it's not on you. you. You freezing isn't on you. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. 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 When you messaged me, I didn't feel any ill intention. I just saw someone who is very excited, who is eager to learn, and who wants to share value, and. I mean, I remember I talked to David and I was like, yo, like, what do you think about this guy? And he was like, whatever, man, fuck it, let's do it. And I was like, fuck it, dude, let's fucking do it. You know what I, mean? I love I mean, that. My, I'm, I mean, that's kind of how I live my life. It's like, I saw, dude, like, whatever. So, I gotta, I I gotta mean, meet this dude. He seems dope, too. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think we can potentially bring him on a podcast, too. Sure. Also, I have a roommate who's, who, who's a videographer. And he's been through the ringer, so he might be an interesting person. To bring I on love too. it, man. Hey, I'm trying to get as many dope people on here as I can. So. Okay. Anyways, um, continue. Uh, wait, actually, I have a quick question. Can you see the, like, I know my, like, the video quality of, like, I'm using my other webcam because it's a long story. But can you see, like, my, am I, like, is, I don't know, does the color, like, radiate? Your aura? Yeah, can you see that? It's like it's a very faint. I mean, I'd say it's just it's it's not like this bursting thing. It's not like Dragon Ball Z. Like, brah! it's just kind of like it's like it's like a faint. Like I don't know. I'm like trying to do it around you. It's just like a kind of like a two or three inch like sort of feeling. Um, and if someone doesn't have an aura, I'm scared as fuck. Really? Like, this so, person is like a serial killer. So my main question was, can you see it through the the video camera? It's more of not so much a seeing thing it's a feeling seeing hearing all things at once type of thing no, it's not like i see your face it's it's not like i see your face and i'm like yo he has happy face he's blue it's not like that you know because i can sort of see through people's intentions they can be smiling at me but if they're if they have something like, like they want something from me i'm very hesitant they're more, more of a violent or a violet, or like a deeper turbulent, not turbulent, but kind of shady, shady color, like yeah. a Slytherin type of thing. Oh, um, getting Harry Potter in this bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm Slytherin, by the way. <laughs> you, you, you are. 
Yeah. Really? That's wild. Uh-huh. I've never taken the test. I I probably would end up being lame like Hufflepuff or some shit. Like <laughs> Hufflepuff. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah this, this kid, get him out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, your aura has really been the same since this conversation. And even on the phone call. Oh. It's more of a, like a light blue. Yo, that's so dope. And when is this just something you've grown up with your life and then one day you were like yo i think other people don't have this or was this just like was this something that developed or like you read about it and then all of a sudden you could see it like i'm just so um, i thought everyone i thought everyone had it really yeah that's wild and so and so it didn't re-emerge until it didn't re-emerge until like actually this year and i brought it up again so it had been from 20 2000, 2008 to now i haven't talked about it Okay, and then I and I mentioned it, and my cousin was like, "I see that, I see that." And I was like, "No way, like I'm not crazy." And so then I started like actually googling it, and it's a real thing. Yo, that's wild. That's uh-huh. absolutely wild. Yeah, I love. And so that. he would ask me. He would ask me. He was like, "What's what's their color?" And we'd be like the same. Yo, I gotta meet your cousin. I gotta meet this. Oh my goodness. This is <laughs> Okay, so we're at 40 minutes. Let's wrap this up here. I'm gonna kind of wrap it up with. Um, so, honestly, I feel like we didn't end any of the questions that I asked you. So, I'm sorry. I'm my gonna, stories are very long. No, you're good, man. Hey, that's what this podcast is all about. I feel like it still was valuable. Like, I still feel like people okay. are gonna listen to this and be like, that, that, that dude's awesome so um i will definitely try to have you on for another episode for sure we gotta have okay. like a uh part two but v2 I wanna, what a v2 a version two yeah v2 v2 um but i did want to kind of hit you with the two final questions that i always hit my um my interview my guests um i always hit them with these questions the first one is anybody honestly i don't even know like anybody in general like, if you had some sort of advice for anybody uh, listening to this podcast, what would that be? And then the second one is ask a question. This is more – ooh, I just hit my mic. This is more to get the listeners involved, but also maybe challenge them a little. It can be anything that you want. It can be, you know, if you're testing a market, if you just want to ask a pointless question. I know we talked about pineapple on pizza. Uh, it can be anything. It can be anything. So just those two things to kind of wrap it up. Um, so I like to, if I had anything, like if I could do anything in this, in this world, it would be to expand people's mindset and like broaden their mindset and have them challenge the status quo. So I don't even know what that looks like. I don't, I hate the term life coach, but it's more like I want to be a mindset expander yeah. <laughs> or like just challenge people's mindsets. And um, the way I can do that is honestly, I have to lead with my foot forward and go through experiences myself. Um so my que- my my advice for people is moving forward in your life. I think the most important thing to get you out of a rut is your people who are surrounding you in your life. So I know it's really it's really cliche to say you're the sum of the five people around you, but I will say the reason that I am thriving out here in San Diego is because stop adopting charity cases and people that are just taking taking from you and people who are also in the same place as you people who are smart so you need like people in your life that you can support that you can give value to people who are in the same place as you people who are actually above you 
a certain level so that you can look up to them and you can, they can all be pouring into you. And if you can get people, there are people who like don't want to be helped. People who, who want to take negative energy, you have to really limit them. I would say cut them out, but you have to make sure to protect your energy. Yeah. So create a community. I, I can't stress this enough. People can create a community. They have to reach out and find them, especially with social tools. This is what social media is for. Yes. Connect people with like-minded. It's super easy to find people. It's super easy to find people. People are like, oh, social media is bad. No, it's a tool. If you use it the right way, you can find your best friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a bad thing. Just don't scroll. Don't scroll for 10 hours a day. Um, so I would say this piece of advice is if you need to get out of a rut or actually thrive, make sure that you foster a really powerful and positive community. I love that. Who actually, who, who actually care about you and actually ask you about your personal life and challenge you to actually open up. <laughs> I, I know. So this is pre-recorded. My podcast with Nick Goldberg, who's my business partner, um, hasn't come out yet, but he said the same thing. He used the exact same phrase, the five people that surround you. Like that is actually a thing. Like you need to surround yourself with people, like you said, who are elevated in, in some areas and maybe need help in others. You bring them value in the areas that like they need help in and they'll bring you value in the areas that you need help in. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. And what's your question? My question is going to follow up on this, and that is, I think there's one more takeaway, and that is seek mentorship. Okay. Yeah. I like to have mentorship in five areas. That it's a, those areas being spiritual, financial, business, physical for me since I'm in the bodybuilding. For sure. And um, relational, that you're fostering your relationships. And what I want to ask people today is who everyone typically has a few people who in their life is currently taking too much of their time and I'm challenging them to have a conversation with that person in the next week about specifically about like like what they're doing about what they're doing or they need to make I challenge them to make a decision to audit all the relationships in their life, but specifically the one or two that are taking taking away from them. I love that. And that's that hits home because that's something I've been doing lately. Damn. That that hit really hard for me too. So and that is an excellent question. Or I love that. It's a tough question. Dude, it doesn't I, feel good. <laughs> I feel bad because I didn't even get to mention Snob Mob on here, and that was one thing okay. I really want to do. So I'm gonna end this off, guys. Go follow Tegan. Uh, I mean Tegan, excuse me. I'll have y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the people watching the video, they'll have everything on the screen. Uh, he has an awesome clothing company. He sent me a shirt. I'm gonna get some dope photos on it. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see those for sure. But go follow Snob Mob. They are hella dope like literally i see clothing companies pop up all the time and having run one i always am like oh they're doing this wrong or like they're a joke blah, blah, blah. yo everything you guys are doing with snob mob like there's a reason why i reached out to you guys like i saw your guys's shit and i was like yo this is sick like they're doing something unique they're building a brand they're building a culture i want to i want to i want to help them i want to like whatever whatever you guys need me to do if you need me to I don't know, underwater mm-hmm. basket weave in your shirt. Let me know. I'll, I'll, do, I'll figure out how to do it for you. So, uh, um, guys, go check out Snob Mob. Um, you want to give, like, kind of the plugs for everything you want people to check you out on? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I want, actually want to um, piggyback on that really quick. I know we said 45 minutes, but I think this is important. The main goal of Snob Mob is to celebrate equality 
is to remove the identity of fame, power, and money. And our main goal is actually to give back to the world. So on our website, you can currently choose uh, when you buy a product, you can choose a list of like different types of organizations that, that you can donate back to. And we actually have lists of like what that does. So we have clean water for people in developing countries. $1 provide $1. So we give back 10%, but $1 of that can provide water for 30 days for someone. So it's like literally nine cents. People are always asked like, what does my $1 do? Well, actually the three or $4 that you're giving when getting a cool dope shirt, some art, you're actually helping someone for almost three, four months in a developing country. And so we're getting more and more involved in that. And actually my partner, David is going on a road to relief trip in two weeks and they're starting in Seattle and making a trip all the way down the West coast and ending in San Diego. And every day they're hitting a different city and helping at least hundred people giving them like relief bags. And so we're getting more and more involved in giving back to the community. And one thing that we actually want to do in the future is not only are we giving back through the, through the donation portal on our website, but we want to show, we want to actually take a portion of the remaining profits, get a, make, get a bunch of goodies and be like, this is what you guys have done. And we're going to go and give it to homeless people here in San Diego because it's a huge problem here. There's so many homeless people. And so that is sort of our main mission is to give back to the world, whether it's through wildlife, whether it's through art, art foundations like Notre Dame was on fire the other day. And, um, you know, just, just supporting that. Uh, <laughs> for, the, for the podcast listeners, there's people playing pool behind Tate, Tegan right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we're getting more involved in that. We're just getting started and we're going to actually get the two masks made that you see in the logo. Yeah. We're getting this perfectly made. We're going to wear that. And then we're actually going to learn how to spin and like do parties and stuff like that. I, so like, sick. so like we're creating a culture. That's Hey, yo, I'm going to get real close and intimate with my mic real quick. <laughs> this, this brand is one that you want to be a part of. Like fuck Supreme, fuck Louis Vuitton, <laughs> fuck Gucci. They're just ripping you off for stuff that you could probably buy for like 10 bucks at Walmart. Y'all, you guys want to be a part of this brand. This is what a brand should be about. Truly. Thank you very much. Tegan, get snobbed. <laughs> get snobbed, bro. Hey, you're doing awesome things, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'd love to have you on again. Guys, go go follow him. He'll be linked on my Instagram, on Starby Studios Instagram, everything. Go show him some love. Go show Snob Bob some love. Thank you again, Tegan. Thank you again, listeners. And I'll see you guys in the next podcast. Peace. <laughs> Stay fierce. <laughs>